Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. Glad you are with us as uh, first weekend in March. Strange, that's supposed to be. strange, strange, strange time. Um, Globally? And how the markets are reacting. The, the markets have just been... It's almost like one day it's an event, and uh, the, the, what's happening in the Ukraine, and the next day, none. Um, one day, the tech stocks are way up, and the broad market's not. The next day, it's reversed. Yeah. I think it's lack of alternatives. I truly believe it's lack of alternatives, which is like, if I take my money out of the stock market- Then where do I put well, it? Well, then where do I go? I like, put it and earn 0% interest in the bank, and much inflation erode it. Do I go to real estate? Well, that's pretty topsy-turvy right now with what's happened in the uh, pandemic in terms of, you know. Well, prices are up. Prices have even continued to go up. So where is it in real estate? You go multifamily. You go to you go to well, warehouse. All- you go to medical. <laughs> Everything's way up. That's, yeah. And cap rates are, so cap rates, the lower the cap rate, the, the smaller the rate of return on your investment I was talking to a gentleman in um, Phoenix, and he was uh, he, he was actually had a listing for a medical building. I'm like, "What's the cap rate?" He said, three and a half, which is like unbelievably low. This is an example. Oh my! Gosh. Uh, three years ago, four years ago, it would have been seven, which means that twice the return on the same amount of dollars. And cap rate, think of it almost like a dividend, right? As a percentage, that's uh... yeah, net of fees, net of net of expenses on the on the building. So I think it's a lack of, I quite frankly believe it's a lack of alternatives. But if if you were worried about inflation before, just hang on. It is about to get much, much you worse. You think so? Oh, how, with the cost of oil. oil, with oil, transportation, it's just, um, it is the strangest. Um, I mean, how we got, I mean, you look at, Germany, what they've done with their power generation the last 20 years, they've essentially shuttered all their nuclear power plants except for a couple. What they got remaining, they're about to shutter. 60% of their energy they increase from uh, Russia. Yeah, the import. I mean, the import from Russia. Correct. Like, how do you... Oh, what 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 we expect to see? They, they've got no... There's no leverage there. What, like. what you'd expect to see is government-financed um, uh, energy infrastructure in all over Europe in the next three to five years which is LPG ports that before they weren't really that interested in. Um, it will, they don't have a choice. They don't have a choice. Uh, and, nuclear and, will come back nu- on. Nu- what was interesting about this, uh, the Greens kind of switched back to nuclear a couple months ago. All of a sudden, nuclear is like, actually, it's going to be environmentally friendly after all. And so I, I think we'll see all kinds of nuclear power plants in the next Yeah, well, you know, Russia, uh, some strategists have called Russia a cornfield and a gas station. Because they, they're not like China. Um, you know, they have a government structure that is quasi, well, it's kleptocracy uh, with the oligarchs. But um, what, we, what I suspect we'll see is we'll see uh, uh, more trading between China and Russia and less trading between us and China in the years to come. The, the, it yes, will, I would agree with that. It will... Uh, the world will become much more insular. Sides will be picked, and uh, we'll stick to that. Uh, quite frankly, I got to tell you, Scott, I was having a discussion with my brother who is uh, in the tech industry. He's been there for 40 years. And I said, you know, if we look at this long term, what we learned from the pandem- pandemic and what we are seeing now in Russia and the Ukraine, um, I think it is actually good for the U.S. economy in the long term. The long term. term. Well, okay, good. Yeah, we're going to become less dependent on third parties. Well, it, well, th- there was no doubt at the end of this in my mind that we become much more isolationist. Whether that's good or bad, I actually think it's good for the U.S. economy over the long term uh, to get more manufacturing back into the U.S. Well, and I tell you, if you, as an investor, had much investment in Russia, either through some publicly traded stocks, I believe the stock market's still closed. 
Yes. In Russia. As just, of Thursday. They just closed the stock market, right? Yeah. So who knows? There's no market to, to buy or sell anything. Uh, I mean, it clearly gives you an example of how things, just from a political environment, uh, yeah, the, the risks that you're taking in some of these. There's always political risk in overseas and, quite frankly, domestic investing, right? Always political risk. It's, uh, it's interesting. What I find the most fascinating is how they're seizing all the oligarchs yachts and properties <laughs> and assets and just going down the line which is one of the reason they they liked real assets out of the the outside of russia is because they the, oh, the fear that russia the, would take them the, the the those penthouses in new york that trade for two or three hundred million dollars they're all bought by these russian oligarchs yes to get their what are they going to keep rubles yeah, right. Well, that's exactly. It's Wait. like if I have a penthouse in New York, the Russian government isn't going to come take it from me. It might fall in value, but like, who cares compared to keeping it in rubles? Yeah, I don't think they ever thought that um, the EU or the US would start actually taking the assets. I, well, they are private citizens. It's pretty interesting. It is pretty interesting. It'll, it'll be interesting. To I guess watch. they figure that they don't have an army. Yeah, I yeah, it's political pressure they're trying to put. Yeah, the I understand. Obviously. I kind of like it, frankly. Yeah, but who knows if it was? I mean, stick. I find this just abhorrent watching what's going on. It's just it, it will be interesting surreal. to see uh, after this is all over if actually the seizure of those assets actually sticks. Well, I don't think anyone really cares. They're just trying to stop the the, the fighting. Yeah, yes. <laughs> have the boat or not? Like I don't care. I don't know why you even want one of those big things. Maybe it's got to put your money somewhere if you're I, a Russian oligarch. Yeah. I don't know. How do you become a Russian oligarch? Well, <laughs> I actually listened to a couple uh, podcasts on Putin and how he came through the ranks uh, this last week. It's pretty fascinating. How do you become a Russian oligarch? Well, you start by actually kind of being a little shady to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had um, – this was a number well, – and we'll take some calls here in just a moment. You've been to Russia a number of times, have you not? Two is a number. Yes, it's okay. been twice. It's been a long time, and I've got to tell you, I being there, I thought no way would I invest in this country. Really, <laughs> I'm just just talking to some of the people. Just their their view of work and opportunity. It just did I you find the, did you find it inefficient the the, well, the Russian way? Prime example. I had this interpreter, college student, a young woman. And we're walking in this building, and I see these three women sitting there doing nothing. And she says, oh, that's a really great job. And I said, what is their job? She says, they're elevator operators or something. Okay. Maybe there's two or three women sitting there. And I said, why is it a great job? She said, oh, they don't have to do anything. They just sit there all day. This is from a college student. And they operate the elevator, but the elevators are I don't know, whatever. They, they, okay. they, they, they had makeup, make. Make believe jobs, but I thought if a college student, if that, if you're aspiring to a job, you don't have to do any work as a young college student, and you know you're not going to have any opportunity. Like, it's kind of sad. Have you been to the Ukraine? No, nor have I. I don't plan on going anytime no. soon. No, it's let's, a shame. Um, it is a shame. Anyway, let's let's move on. Yeah, here's what we did learn from all of this. Had you had an emotional reaction to? Russia invading the Ukraine with your portfolio on day one. On day one, you would have been absolutely wrong. And quite frankly, just based on how the market reacts or is reacting, can it get worse? Absolutely. Can it get a lot better? Absolutely. Who knows? Who I knows? Mean, the, the reality is, if you own any sort of stocks, any equities. They should be for the long term. You hear all financial planners talk that way, right? They're long-term investments. What does that mean? That means over the short term, it's anyone's guess what the value is going to be. But over a longer period of time, we have pretty high probability it's going to be worth a lot more down the road than it is today. Who knows what the journey is through there? So as long as you're not reliant upon any of those dollars this quarter, this year, next year, it's three kind of years, a, that's why you want. Temporary prices are kind of irrelevant. That's right. It's just a temporary price with something traded today. It doesn't really mean anything but tomorrow. Yeah, which is why you – and you want a broad basket of, of stocks, either in indexes or actively traded or ETFs or anyway. Yeah. All right, let's uh, take some calls. 833-99-WORTH is the number to be part of All Worth Money Matters. And um, 
you're listening through a podcast or whatnot, you want to, uh, you can still join us. We'll schedule a time to take your call and uh, love to have a conversation with you. So let's start off here in California with Ralph. Ralph, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hey, uh, thanks a lot, fellas. Uh, love your show and uh, enjoy your information. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Um, so I'm a Allworth uh, financial uh, client and uh, happily retired now. And uh, I strongly recommend it to all my friends. Well, thank you. And I refer folks uh, refer folks to your uh, organization as well. Um, so uh, as we're uh, watching our accounts uh, with you, uh, we're, we're a little concerned about the, uh, the account status in that, uh, and here's my compound question. Um, you just spoke about the volatility in the market with this kind of an overseas event. Um, is there a, do you have a triggering point where with the major indices or elsewhere that'll say, okay, if it, if it drops to, to X or this percent, then we'll move everything over to cash to protect our the assets of our clients. Or can you can you articulate that? You know what what's the plan? What's the Allworth financial plan for that kind of thing? Yeah, thank you. I think yeah, I appreciate it. I um, it, it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> so uh, here's how we view things. Number one, we don't believe we can predict the markets over any period of time. And if you go back just two years ago when the lockdowns happened and we were uncertain on where COVID was going to go and the markets fell 20 some odd, but they fell about 30%, I think, didn't they? In in weeks. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, really quick downturn. During that period of time, we didn't sell thinking, uh-oh, like what happens if things get worse? Let's. Instead, we, we actually increased our exposure to equities. We bought more equities. And go, let's say a prime example. Let's say you had a portfolio that was 50% in stocks, and 50% in, in bonds and cash and maybe something else, right? So let's just say 50-50. Stock market falls, suddenly you're no longer 50-50. Maybe you're now 60% in more conservative and 40% in stocks. And so at times like that, we'll rebalance. And by rebalancing, we increase our equity exposure. So if we think back two years ago, what our strategy at that time, we had already set the plan, our financial plan, our investment strategy had been set prior to COVID just like it's been set prior to this invasion. And as equity markets declined, when they declined quickly, we increased our, we, we bought more stocks when they were cheap. Things rallied back up very quickly. And I think it was in six weeks, we sold stocks. We'd, we reduced some of our exposure because that our, say, 50-50 or whatever our bogey was for each each each, each portfolio is different. So whatever that uh, that bogey was to get back to where our, our neutral allocation was. So the portfolios are run through a screen that actually tells us whether in tolerance or not to our, so we have on a 50, 50, we have tolerance bands around it. So we're not going to trade until it gets overweighted equities by X amount, or we're not going to trade until it gets underweighted X equities or stocks by X amount. And then we trade on them. It's um, it's, it is an investment philosophy that has been set years and years ago. And what it tries to do is ignore the chatter in the market. And what we're looking for is risk-adjusted rates of return, which is rather than go to cash, the, the, which is a natural tendency, we were well-served to increase our equity exposure. Were we well-served to actually lower it as quickly as we did after uh, the run-up in the market? No, we would have been better served had we kept a higher equity exposure. But that's why we actually have risk bands about each one of the portfolios. So you might have a portfolio that's 50% in stock, 50% in fixed income or other similar um, products or assets. Or you might have a portfolio that's 90% in stocks and 10% or 100% in stocks. And so what happens is each one of those models or portfolios, if you will, gets screened through its own screen. It's easy to do in an IRA. Outside of an IRA and a brokerage account, we actually then put tax strategy on top of it to make sure that we're actually uh, balancing the balance of the portfolio and the risk tolerance in there with the tax implications of making the changes. Okay. But there's so it sounds like you're kind of constantly balancing as uh, dynamically, I guess, as, as events occur. It, it, correct. The, the portfolios are run through a, a, a technology screen that tells us whether they're in balance or out of balance on an individual but what, portfolio but, basis. Uh, but what we don't do is, is, is try to look at the environment in front of us and say, 
let's get completely out of the market because things may go down further. The, our belief is over the long term, prices are going to be back higher than they are today. I mean, I started in this industry, Ralph, in uh, July of 1990. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was at about 2,600. This was 30 years ago. It was about 2,600. And today it's, what, 34,000 or somewhere right in there. So that's the kind of growth we've had. And if you think of all the ups and downs over that period of time, the dot-com blow-up, financial crisis, like lots of, of, of terrible times, they're always temporary declines, and they come back to new highs. I think what, what I found which helps most individuals is to have an understanding of just what percentage of your portfolio is at risk? Like, uh, for example, this week, we, our investment uh, uh, chief investment officer sent out a, a, a note to all of our advisors saying, uh, uh, Russia and Ukrainian exposure. Like, what do we have exposed there? And there was, there was point zero. zero. And I it mean, was mostly on the fixed income point, side. And you point zero. I mean, it was nothing. It was, it was, it was close to nothing. Yeah. Um, so, but and having an understanding of what do you have in secure assets that aren't impacted by a stock market decline. And if you're retired, taking income, like how many years can you go? And so during the financial crisis, I just remember talking to people like, maybe we should get out because things are looking bad. And it comes to a point you're thinking, if things don't recover, like we're going to have some sort of reset at that point. I mean, if every company you can think of suddenly it becomes worthless of Apple and Chevron and you name it, if they all suddenly become worthless, it's probably not going to matter. <laughs> it's a, some sort of new economy. But but you would expect over time, those companies are going to, they're not going to lose all their value and they will continue on being the, viable the, businesses. The problem with going to cash at any point in time because you think something's going to happen is when it doesn't happen and then the stock prices go up and it's like, then how do we get back in? I mean, how do we get back in? Uh, I know a gentleman, we don't manage his portfolio, but he got out of the market uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic. And he always, he asked me, when should I get back in? And I said, well, I, I, I didn't think you should get out in the first place. Yeah, it's really challenging. It's really, really challenging. I mean, as an advisor, what do you tell him now? What if he gets in? What if you put him in the week before the uh, We're not war. advising his portfolio because yeah. we would have talked him down off, hopefully. Um, but that's the problem with getting out. And it, it's always, when do you get back in? And so if you look at how- And I, so I remember the pandemic- there's a um, uh, an advisor who lives in my community, my neighborhood. I saw walking. Um, or this is back when socially, you know, like really stay away from each other. And um, he told me that, yeah, he says we got out of we got out of the stock market. He says I did, didn't think it made any sense to be in the stocks when the market's going. And of course, weeks that, later, <laughs> I, I don't know what he ever did, but I'm thinking I'm glad I'm not his client. Like, weeks weeks later, weeks later. Yeah, it's but it's difficult. I mean, and that's why they call it a risk premium. Is that's how you Get the returns is staying through the risky part of the portfolios. They don't call it. The industry calls it. Yes. <laughs> so, we call it. So does that, that help? Helpful? Yes, yes, it is. Thank you very much for the uh, detailed response and, and uh, I guess, uh, providing me a level of psychological comfort. <laughs> yeah. And you, I mean, it's times like this that uh, it's a great time to talk to your advisor. That's why you haven't. I mean, part of the reason of having an advisor, you've got someone in your corner uh, to help during times like this and to, to help bring some rationality back to fear. This is normal. Like no one wants to see anything go down in value. Right. Uh, and it's just, a, it's, it's, it's painful. And then we think about, man, how much work did I have to do to save that? Whatever that dollar amount is. You, yeah. And you don't, you, you start thinking things. But they, I like the, I like the term you use psychological comfort because that's what, that that's what you're looking for is like, what happens if all this thing blows up? I would have been better off out of the market. But over the long term, it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So I appreciate and, the call. Yeah, thanks for, thanks and, for being and, a client. We also just have to let you know that um, Ralph's experience is not indicative of, of all of our clients. It's yeah, a disclosure, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some clients probably hate us and wish they'd never met us. And we, we hope that's not true, but that <laughs> Just, is a disclosure. So hopefully the uh, legal people are fine Just, with that. Yes. Let's, um, we're going to go to Phoenix and talk with Peter. Peter, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hey, good afternoon. Hi, Peter. Scott, Pat, it's good to talk to you. Thank you. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm 46, married, four kids, so 17, 16, 15, and 9. 
And as you said, I re- I'm in Phoenix, but I was in Chicago for 40 years. Go Bears! And uh, finally got tired of the snow. <laughs> Go Bears! Say it. With say it with the right, with the right accent. <laughs> Go Bears! <laughs> Thank you. Go oh, Bears! <laughs> and so, I, my question, in light of everything that's going on, I think it's kind of basic, but it's been on my mind for a while. So, about 12 years ago, my kids were five, four, three, and negative three. Um, I bought about half a million term life insurance, and uh, I've always wondered if I need more. Um, just a little bit more details. Um, for the past 22 years, I worked for a nonprofit uh, financial institution. It's a pension board for one of the mainline Christian denominations. Um, I plan to be there for another 21 years until I'm about 67. Uh, household incomes, just over six figures. And um, we're renting because when we move down here, everything is 50 or 100 plus K over value. And so we're renting and hopefully later this year, maybe next year, hoping to finally buy a house and do you have so, any so you've got teenagers uh and you've got another uh, at least uh, nine years of having a kid in the yep. house and then you've got young adults college age young adults all those things that they're typically not fully self-supportive at those those years does your spouse work outside of the household no she homeschools our kids do you have any life insurance through work um i do i do have uh, about 250k um so you're seven. And I have about, and um, my 403B has over half a million as well. I, I would buy, I would buy more. Yeah. I'd buy mm-hmm. another. At least I mean, how much, you, I mean, it's, if you're in, if your health's fine, it's pretty cheap and you, you really need life insurance for another 10 years, 10 plus years. Okay. Yeah. So you might find it's actually just apply for a million dollar life insurance policy now, term life insurance policy. Wait till that's year, either ten or fifteen year level term. Yeah, wait for that to be okay. issued. Wait for it to be issued, and then you'll probably end up dropping your existing one, uh, and you'll uh-huh. find that the cost is actually less expensive. Well, may not right. be. Well, it won't be twice as much. It might be. Yeah, yeah. Why? I don't know what his term life policy is like. I don't know. Well, the closer, typically, the closer you are to underwriting, the less expensive they are. Yeah, I understand. He's 46, not 56 or 66. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, But chances of dying are almost zero, statistically, which is why life insurance is expensive. But I would actually go through the process and and apply for a million dollars and wait till they issue it. If you decide that it's cheaper to keep one half a million dollars and the other half a million, you could lower the one, the new issued policy from a million to a half a million dollars. But my point that's being right. is you just, always ask for the higher amount, and then if you get approved, you can always go down. That's right. Not the other way around. That's right. That's right. Because they don't have to re-underwrite it. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I like what the last caller said. That just helps give me some uh, psychological cushion. I forgot the term that he used or the yeah. phrase he used. But. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what did he? Well, I mean, it's real. Like, I, I've sat across the desk, the table from new, newly widowed people with young kids multiple times in mm-hmm. my career. Um, and I've, I don't think I've never seen too much life insurance. I know that. And I've had other conversations where, um, it's, it's been hard to say, sorry, but I know you've been homeschooling the kids, but you're going to have to go get a job. Yes. Yeah. And life insurance will solve that problem. Yeah. So how long have you been in Phoenix? Uh, all, 10 months, been loving it. Sunshine, um, got through the heat. And I uh, still do Zoom calls with all my colleagues back in Chicago, and, and I, I don't bring up the weather here, that's, but they often ask. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> we, do, we do not regret it one bit. Oh, good for, you. good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Well, appreciate the call. Appreciate the and call. And have, uh, have fun so with much. those four kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the big spread, too. Yeah. yeah. But actually, with life insurance, though, Pat, there's a um, – I mean, these insurance companies have had a, had a tough go of it. Well, two reasons. One is excess mortality because of co- people, COVID yeah. and uh, and maybe some uh, vaccine-related deaths as well. Right? So we, we've seen uh, some of the, the executives of life insurance companies like, we don't know what's really going on, but uh, we've got more people dying than normal. So that's some headwind for them. And then their portfolios just- It's made up mostly of bonds. Mostly fixed income. So they would- It's low interest. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's created a bit more of a- a drag yeah. on. Yeah, you might be. You might. You might be right. It might be better off actually keeping the existing policy and adding a new one rather than. That's why you underwrite 
for the higher amount first, and then decide what you want to lower it to. And that's pretty exciting stuff. But you, you know what's... And we're gonna take well, well, life insurance is exciting. But what, if you look, the, the amount of life insurance enforced today, what we call, they call the death benefit, it's a strange term, but how much money you get when you die or your family gets, it's like half what it was 25 or 30 years ago. People just aren't buying it. I don't understand. Well, there's because there's not as many people selling it. You probably have a good point. <laughs> right? The whole guy out there selling whole life insurance with a plaid <laughs> right? sport coat is... Yeah, uh, there's, it's, I don't think it's... I think it has more to do with the uh, supply side of well, it. Well, then we need more life insurance salesmen out in the marketplace, apparently. I don't, I'm not going to make a value judgment there. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we'll take a... Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we would love to take some more of your calls when uh, we get back. 833-99-WORTH is our number. Uh, numerically, it's 833 833- Triple nine six seven eight four. You're listening to Allworth's Money Matters. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit AllworthFinancial.com/radio. To listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, and uh, hey, before we head back to the calls, real quick. But if you did want to join the show, it's eight three three ninety nine Worth. That's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. And we uh, always enjoy taking most of the calls. Uh, we've got a virtual workshop: five steps to unlocking Social Security. And look, I. I've seen lots of different virtual uh, type of presentations. This one's pretty, it's done pretty well. It's not just some Zoom thing. It's not, it's, it's fairly engaging. It's got good graphics. It's, a, it's nicely done. I think it'll hold your attention. Uh, uh, and it's not two hours. I think it's 40 minutes or something like, like that. It's, it's, so it's on five steps to unlocking Social Security, the five things you need to know today to maximize your benefits. And I just, this last week, Pat, and by the way, so this is uh, March 15th, March 16th, March 17th, and March 19th. I just, just on Monday. I, I'm waiting for you to hear uh, what you say. Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, I'm, I was talking to some guy, uh, and he's telling me that he just retired. Oh, I'm good for you. And he's kind of, he's realized I'm in the industry. So he's asked me a couple questions, and I said, uh, Something about Social Security. He says, oh, yeah, I already, I already signed up for Social Security. I should be getting my first check uh, in, in two weeks. And I said, how old are you? He says, 64. Oh. And I'm sitting there thinking, this guy did no analysis. He just thought the day I retire, I should sign up for Social Security. I, 100%. The, we had a conversation for just a few minutes. Um, he was concerned about how to, he was concerned about transferring his 401k when the, with the volatile market. Um and it, it, I just kind of left the conversation like, it's, look, there. He was hungry for advice. He just didn't want to sit through a workshop. Well, the funny thing is he worked for a, 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 a financial, a, a technology company that, that supplies technology to financial advisors, but he didn't have a financial advisor. Oh. And then when he's asking me questions, I'm sitting there thinking, so either you don't think our industry has any value or whatever. I or you kinda, know more than. Whatever. But the reality is there are 81 unique ways that couples can file for Social Security. It is, um, and how you structure it, a lot of times it's dependent on what you're trying to accomplish. Like if you're trying, if you're more concerned about leaving a, a larger inheritance, you might do it one way. If you're more concerned about maximizing cash flow while you're still relatively young and healthy, you might structure it another way. So anyway, it's, it's about 45 minutes long. Um, I think you'll find it helpful. It's our five steps to unlocking Social Security. If you are... 59, 58, or older is probably the time to start looking into it. Clearly, if you are in 62 or older, um, you want to um, you want to take part of this. Maybe even mid 50s, probably. Yeah, to understand it's not gonna, it won't hurt. You'll understand it, and it will change. Yeah. So again, March 15th, 16th, uh, 17th, and 19th, and um, uh, I'll be I'll be there joining you on that presentation. So you can uh, just simply visit allworthfinancial.com. Allworthfinancial.com for all the details. And I have watched this uh, workshop myself and given it, but my favorite part is when, is when we discussed legislative risk to Social Security benefits. And I read an opinion piece this week that 
it was all about uh, why there should be an argument made for increasing the uh, normal retirement age of Social Security beneficiaries. That's legislative risk. Well, we've got we're in such great shape financially. I don't know why you'd have to worry about anything like that, Pat. Our government finances are just tip-top. Yeah, billions. Perfect. Billions. Yes. I watched the State of the Union address. Did you? I did. See? that We cut the deficit by half a trillion or something. We can't Biggest. go there. <laughs> we can't go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come on. All politicians lie, do they not? <laughs> well, yes. Come on. That was a- <laughs> it was like... <laughs> like my yeah. wife coming home and saying, "Hey, I saved fifty dollars today." What? This dress was normally a hundred, and I only paid fifty dollars yeah. for it. Yeah. All right. My, my wife comes home and she gets the uh, rebate check from the Costco credit card, and she tells me how much she made. I'm like that's a rebate. It's not really making money. Well, I do think so. That's the co- that's the card I use on a daily basis. You as well, yes. Costco. I think it's the best um, credit card it's, program it's, out there. Yeah, it is a good credit card program. Um, anyway, let's um, let's get back to the calls here. Let's talk with Alan. Alan, you're with Allworth Money Matters. How you doing, gentlemen? Hi, Alan. How you doing? Good. Welcome. We're good. Down. We're doing very well, thank you. Mike, I have questions, and I'm hoping to find out that I didn't do everything wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping you guys will say, "Well, you did. You're not doing too bad." All right, I'm boom. 68 years old, um, and I decided that uh, the end of this year is enough. Okay. Um, With what? I Well, I'm going to retire. Okay. I, I've been at my job the last 41 years, and uh, uh, I've, I've, my company has paid into my pension for the last 41 years. Do you work so, for you, a um, utility or...? A large manufacturer. Uh, I work in the in the distribution industry. Okay. Um, and we're one of the big union places uh-huh. throughout the world. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so we're going to go with the UPS, anyway, but well, they they belong to the same local. Okay. All right. So, uh, what's your question for but, us? Well, I, I'll explain what I've got and what I've done, and you could tell me. If I failed the whole time or if I've done something right. Okay. Let me ask a question before you start. Do you own a home? Okay. Yes. And what's the value of the home? About two seventy. And what do you owe on it? Twenty five thousand. And are you married? Yes. And well, so have- far it sounds like you've done a few things right, Alan. You're been, <laughs> you're <laughs> staying the same job for forty one uh-huh. years. You've got a house that's pretty much paid for, and you're married. So someone puts up with you're doing some things right. Yeah. So it, right off, right away, we can tell that. And before you get into the asset, do you own it? Do you owe anyone else any money? No. Okay. Perfect. All right. Fire away. Was the only questions I have. Okay. Um, I I my well at sixty five. I started collecting, still working, uh, collecting my pension. And how much but is your pension? We don't live on. I get approximately three thousand a month. And is there are there survivor benefits on that? Should you uh, hit? Um, the way I set it up was is because I have a four hundred one k. The wife has a four hundred one k, and uh, she there's survivor benefits for the first four years of a lump sum that they're paying throughout the first four. After that, I will only be getting the, uh, the payment. She won't be getting any, but we've not lived on that. Okay. But, but, but you will, I'm just trying got. to understand. So if you died five years from now, will that 3000 stop or will she continue to receive 3000 or 1500? Is there any survivor? She, benefit she will, well, if I would have uh, picked a different plan and her and I talked about it, um, then I could have given her. She would yeah, have. I'm, I'm, trying to, I, I'm trying to understand what the situation is today. So you made an irrevocable decision at that time. Just trying. We're just trying to get a good picture of everything so we can uh, offer right, some suggestions. Right. Yeah. So w- if you were to die, right? In right when you're 72, how much would she receive from your pension? Just the pension. Just the pension. Forget everything else. Your pension. Well, that three thousand dollars a month. She wouldn't get anything of the pension. Okay, Got perfect. Okay. That's a, all right. Thank you. Answer Thanks. the question. Thank you. And then what's your 401k uh, balance? But, uh, okay. Uh, my, right now, we both have 401ks. Uh, 
at about 175,000 a piece. Okay. Now, last year, because of things at my age, I couldn't afford to take a risk and lose. I took it out of where it was at, which was kind of a moderate low, and put it in all cash to where I won't lose any. Okay. Um, hers, we just switched over because she's already lost 17% this year. So she's also 63. Okay. So, but the other thing I did was, is at the right age that I could collect, I also started collecting my social security. Now we, we, we both have the 401ks. Uh, we got about 175,000 in each one. She's also got an IRA that's got about 40,000 in it. Um, I owe, uh, I owe, like I say, I could pay off my house tomorrow if I had to. Um, I have approximately $90,000 in a savings account. I have approximately $60,000 in liquid cash. Um, we, we both still work, so we don't live on yep. how my much, pension or my Social Security. How much does your wife make now? Uh, she makes about 42000 a year. How much do you make? I'm making about 52000 a year. And how much will your Social Security benefits be? You started already. My, I, I, yes. You I'm started, getting but... about almost nine. I'm getting almost nineteen hundred a month. And how much will your wife get? Um, when if she waits till she's sixty six in ten months, she'll get right around eighteen or nineteen hundred. All right. So, and what do you want us to answer for you? What if I've done anything right or? Did I do everything wrong? Um, all right. So we're just, you asked uh, the question, not us. Um, right. uh, many of these decisions that you made were uh, irrevocable. Some of them not. Um, so the pension thing, I don't know if I would have gone that direction with it when you no, made you, it. You, you know you wouldn't have gone that direction I'm with trying it. To, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to lay this out as nicely well, as Well, here's, this is where a lot of the cash that we have came from is we don't live on my pension. Understand but you that. will one day, you will. and if you died today, or retire, if you retired today, then you would that pension income would be of value to you and important. So, to so you. let's for, let's forget well, every now. Okay. As long as I'm still alive, my pension continues. No, we understand how it I works. Understand, but even just because you're not right. living on today doesn't mean you won't be dependent upon it sometime in the future. And your wife wouldn't be dependent right. upon a survivor benefit. So the biggest thing I look at in this whole thing, the thing I glaringly look at it is what happens if Alan dies prematurely. Uh, That's the biggest risk to me. It's get- not the stock market going down. You've got five hundred fifty thousand dollars in savings between your four hundred one k's, her IRA, your savings, and your liquid cash. Okay, if Alan dies tomorrow, that'll all be hers. Yes, we understand that, right? So that that so that, that you asked the question, what, what would I have done differently? I would have probably I would have right, chosen right. a different pension option when you had that, but that's behind us. So we are where we are. Okay. The first thing I would do if I were you is, if, assuming you have a normal life expectancy, I would suspend my Social Security benefit today while you're working. While you're working, I would suspend it. I never would have uh-huh. started it while you were working, even though you could take it without penalty after your normal retirement age. I would have postponed that. So you can call Social Security uh, and suspend that right now, and you want to do that. And then each month that you work, it's going to be worth – it'll be more when you go to retire. Right. Unless you've got some big health issue. Yeah. If but, you have a normal life expectancy, and we might even explore actually buying some of that back. Yeah, you can do it the first year. Yeah, you might. That'd be better than leaving money in liquid cash. That's right. That's right. If, assuming you have a normal life expectancy. So if you, you can were, do what, one year? Right. Uh, I don't know how long you can yeah, go back and buy, but at a minimum. So if if you were sitting in my office or in any of our advisors' offices across U.S., we'd say number one, just take some money out of that cash and pay off the mortgage today. Boom, done, finished. Uh, Never to worry about again. Okay. Number two, suspend your Social Security benefits today. Number three, explore buying back some of your Social Security benefits. Number four. Put a balanced portfolio together across the whole thing, including your wife's 401ks, your 401ks, and the IRA, and stick to it. What's 
strange about what you just shared with us is that your wife's portfolio is down 17%. I don't know how it could be down that much this year. And you went all to cash. So it tells us that she's way, way out on the risk spectrum for this. Right. Or at least how the portfolio was invested. Otherwise, it wouldn't be down 17%. That's right. Stock market's down, not down 17%. And then you were at zero. And it makes no sense. We just just actually changed hers to... Uh, guaranteed income. Yeah, that's a mistake. That that's flat out a mistake. If you're going to spend the money next year, then it's the right thing to do. But we're worried about Alan when he's 75, 85, we're 90. Worried, yeah. So what happens is you reacted to the marketplace. So the the fourth uh, thing I would do is I'd rebalance these portfolios into a moderate portfolio, maybe 50, 60 percent equities, and then I would figure out an income plan. Uh, beginning January 1 of 2023 uh, for both you and your wife as to where the income was coming from, right? That's okay. the five things I would do with the portfolio. Some of you asked the question, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Some of the decisions you made were irrevocable, right. whether they were right or wrong. It's irrelevant. Now. It's irrelevant now. 100% irrelevant. So what you want to do is, okay. and you shouldn't react to the market. Look, you're going to retire you're not going to drain that account day one. And what you should be worried about is inflation right now. You're worried about loss of principal. And I'm going to point out that what you should be worrying about is loss of purchase power as well. And there is a middle ground between Mm -hmm. all risk, which amazing your wife could have lost that much money. I don't know what was going on in that portfolio. And you were all in cash. So you told us, Half of our 401ks, $175,000, has no risk. And the other stuff has risk, which in, in my imagination, unless you were using some sort of, I mean, amplified debt instruments inside there that you could get to a 17% loss, unless you were heavily in what sector, I don't know. Well, there's certainly sectors. You could have lost a lot more than that if this year. Yeah, in the sectors. Yeah. So, okay, well, so quite frankly, her, her, her what? Her, her 401k, I really had nothing to do with. It was with the company that she worked with, and she hasn't invested in it in the last it 10 years. It doesn't matter. She hasn't invested okay. in the 401k in the last 10 years? She still has control over you. The- Alan, I'm going to be really – and then we're going to take the next call. You would really benefit from uh, having a relationship with a financial advisor. Tremendously, there are many things that could have been could could still be done today, but that would have been done a little differently over the years. One of your wife not contributing to the four hundred one k is just this. I mean, particularly as you've got Social Security coming in and pension, like from a tax, you're just paying more taxes than you need to on that. I mean, that's just a a number of 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 those areas. But look, the reality is, like you've done a lot right. You've forty one years of the company that paid a nice pension for you. You Your house pretty much paid for. So um, we wish you well, Alan. Let's uh, continue on. If you want to join us, 833-99-WORTH Scott, is the number. Um, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling, that, that last call. Well, look, the reality is we, most of us are responsible for our financial futures, right? This is not a socialistic society. Uh, most pension plans are no longer there unless you work for a government. So we have to take personal responsibility for our savings, our investments, our whether you like dealing with the stuff or not, right? Yeah. And some people hate dealing with it. Like, I get it. Like, that's fine. But you, you, you need to take some sort of responsibility. So either you do, either you educate yourself really well and really understand things, truly understand things, or you, or you seek out some professional advice. Yes. From a number of different sources, but professional. We're like, do this. This is why you should do this. Do this. Do this. Not an annuity sales. Not not a guy down at the bank peddling product, but financial planning. It, it, and what really perplexes me is why he took the his oh, pension gosh. at sixty five. Because he didn't have to. Typically, you could have deferred Typically, it. Typically, you could defer it till retirement. Well, more so than that is the not having a survivor benefit there. Well, that was a completely depreciation. Anyway, so if you find yourself in Alan's situation, where you're like, well, I'm going to make these decisions, while they may not seem that big of a decision that pension, at the time. If you've got a pension, that might be the largest financial decision you make in your lifetime. 
Oh yeah, the net present value of yes. that was more higher than than the than. And you the, can't make it in a vacuum. You need to consider everything else that's going on. The net present value of his monthly pension of three thousand dollars a month, based on his life expectancy and an assumed rate of turn, Massive. was actually larger than the value of his home and his four hundred one k combined. Correct. Yes, I know. That's why, like, <laughs> and he just willy nilly decision. Yeah. Anyway, nothing personal. Um, just. Alan called next. Yes. So let's uh, talk with Charlie. Charlie, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. Thank you, Scott and Pat, for taking my call. Thanks for joining us. I enjoy listening to your show each week. Well, thank you. My question today is about REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I have a rental house that I'm selling, and I wonder if a 1031 exchange into a REIT might be a possibility to save the capital gains taxes. It would be brilliant if it was allowed. Opinion. Oh, okay. Not allowed. Easy one, huh? I mean, so there are some programs where you can be what's called a tenant in common, or also known as a tick. Um, and sometimes you don't see them marketed as much as you did before the financial crisis. They've come back a little bit. Um, I did talk to somebody who was syndicating apartment complex. And he was telling me about something I didn't even want to get in the conversation with it because it seems so out there that for some, they're having a tenant in common structure, but not for all the partners. And I thought, oh my, it just sounds. I think they market under a different um, name now, yeah. but they're tenants in common. And it, so and it, so it, the, the challenge, the challenge of, of, of finding some sort of real estate property w- that would enable you to 1030, uh, 1031 exchange it. Uh, the the fees that <laughs> tend to be at least as much as the taxes are in a in a tick and mm-hmm. loss of control and so, loss of control and and loss of control and then loss of control again and again and again and then actually oftentimes the syndicators of a tick will actually mark the properties up in order to make some money on the front end um so but let's talk about actually uh, uh, uh Scott and I are in the middle of a 1031 at this very moment uh, on a piece of real estate, so we're fairly familiar with it. Tell us what you're, wh- what the property is, and what you're trying to exchange, what you're trying to achieve, and maybe we can walk from there. Well, it's a single-family home that I bought in 2012 for about 150 thousand, and I'm going to sell it soon, hoping for like 480. Okay, isn't that like amazing? That, somewhere around there. And how much yeah. income? Isn't that amazing? And how much income? What, what was this real quick? What was this house worth in um, right at the, at the peak of the market before the crisis? It was like three thirty, I think. So it was worth three thirty. Market. Me, oh wait, wait. Me, you mean before I bought it? That. Yeah. That yeah, like in two thousand seven. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. About somewhere around three thirty. And so you bought it at one fifty, when no one was really interested in. Isn't that, but, isn't that amazing? Um, People forget we all have short-term memories. It seems right. So you're you, that if you think of the decline in the value of the house that you are discussing right now, that thing fell more than fifty percent, at least went, based upon your recollection of it. That's then, what happened, and then it. went up three times uh, since yeah, you've owned three yeah. X. So how much income yeah. does this generate? Not enough. Um, I was not was not wise. Um, I guess financially doing this, I felt like if I had a good renter in there, I shouldn't keep jacking the rent up. And then combined that with the way that the real estate went up, you know, tremendously recently and the problem with COVID, you know, getting renters out of there and trying to sell. Um, the rent did not keep up with the value of the property. So what, so how much rent are you getting out of it? 2000 a month? Oh, it's not my, I mean, just because we started at the beginning, we we're talking about a capitalization rate of three and a half percent. The same things happen in residential. So, so what do you plan on if you don't do a, a 1031 into another property? Uh, what would you do with, I'm going to just eat the capital gains. Yeah. But then what are you going to do with the money? Taxes. Then what are you going to do with the money? Put it, invest it, put it in something. One of your financial planners will tell me what to do with it. <laughs> okay. okay. So, uh, <laughs> the, so the, the look, I, I mean, it look clearly it's a, Nobody knows what tomorrow it brings. Right now, we know it's a great time to be selling a, a home. Yeah. And mm-hmm. demand and, isn't, there's inventory. I mean, the prices are crazy. Inventory is nothing. And, and what happens and is. And my plate is full. Okay. Well, that's. I want to 
clear off my plate a little bit. That is actually, that is one of the best answers I've heard in a long, long time, which is I'm not interested in actually being a hands-on landlord Mm -hmm. anymore is what I just heard. I don't want to be bothered with it. Um, Otherwise- I have another rental and I have a mother who has a rental that I manage for her. Okay. Okay. As well as the demented mother. The problem is they're people, right? They're people that they have their own problems in life. You mean the tenants? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I like that idea. It, if you were going to do a 1031, you wouldn't do it in a tick. You can't do it into a REIT. Um, you would, in order to get that cap rate she higher, to, you'd, on, yeah, you'd have sell, to actually go to another I like, state. I like the concept of just paying the taxes. Taxes are relatively low compared to historically, right? So they're relatively low right now. Home prices are extremely high. Um I've done Heck, it. You could exchange into a, if, even if you did an exchange, it could be that the real estate prices come back down to wipe out whatever you would have paid to the tax man anyway. So I like your idea of just selling it, paying taxes, and moving on. Okay. All right. Good. That's what your advisor suggested, too. Oh, okay. look at that. <laughs> By the way, another disclaimer. This, although Charlie seems like she might be somewhat satisfied with our advisors, we cannot guarantee that you'd be even a little bit happy. And I don't know what the, I think there's some change in, it's basically our, our industry is there's, you can't use testimonials. Um, so like many businesses, like, oh, these guys did the best job cleaning my windows or whatever. Um, we can't use testimonials in our, so, in our space. Thank you for being a client, Charlie. Yes. <laughs> and so I think if we do use a testimonial, it needs to be something to the effect of um, they're not indicative of all clients and. And sometimes if you see a, fin- a financial ad, you'll see it, it'll say paid actors. So they're not clients, they're paid actors, then yeah, whatever that's worth. Anyway, we are um, we are pressing up against the, the clock here, so we got to take a um, a break. But uh, actually, we're, gonna, we're done, with, <laughs> done with the program. But we uh, broadcast uh, the same station every week. And of course, this podcast... Um, if you if you listen to it on the radio, you can always get this little podcast and get it delivered on wherever you get your other podcasts. And if you're new to podcasting, or just getting started, uh, it is a great way to, to listen to some of these programs. And if you find this valuable, this, our program, feel free to give us a review and uh, share it with somebody you think that could benefit. Please, from what we do. please. So please. they end up in a better financial situation. Than that's our that's the that's the objective. That is the objective. We'll see you next week. This has been all worth money matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.